One of the best measures of a man, in my opinion, is whether he can advocate for his specific faith without coming off as a pushy, pious, arrogant ass, and if he can debate or disagree over religion with his racial brethren without insulting them, dooming them to eternal damnation, or reminding them of how bloody and divisive this core component of our identities has proven over millennia. Our very own Sam comes to mind first in this regard. Religion aside, we can hopefully all agree that making the most of our precious, fleeting time in this realm is another great measure of a man. By living boldly, creating more than consuming, remaining true to our ideals in the face of adversity, and building a legacy of great deeds, lifelong friends, and children perhaps better than ourselves. Our special guest this week personifies all of the above, but presents a bit of a good interview problem. We could discuss religion, a life of adventure, fatherhood, and steadfast commitment to our people in equal measure for an hour each, easily. But there's only so many minutes in the hour of this humble podcast, so we will do our best to elicit the best from a wonderful guest this week. So, Mr. Producer, let's roll. Welcome, everyone, to Full House, the world's biggest tent podcast for white fathers, aspiring ones, and the whole biofam. I am your fully healthy but still susceptible to the twin temptresses of sloth and cynicism host, Coach Finstock, back with another two hours plus of a damn good shoestring operation broadcast into the teeth of censorship and hostility. Before we meet the birth panel and our very special guest, however, big thanks to Kadias. Derek and Knickerbocker for their kind and sustained support of this show. And if you'd like to be like those bosses of benevolent bounty, and you should, please go to givesendgo.com slash full house or full hyphen house.com and the support us tab. And also huge thanks to our comrade Pat who helped make this connection and make this episode possible. And with that, let's get on with the show. First up, when informed of our guest this week, he exploded in righteous rage, exclaiming, damn him, damn you, coach, and damn this show to hell in all eternity. Yet he is still here with us regardless. Sam, welcome on. <laughs> no, actually, <laughs> actually, I'm really looking forward to this. You know, the thing is, uh, in Christianity, we, we have this uh, rationale of natural law and a lot of uh, argumentation uh, will even be made in in the name of natural law. So the way I look at it, you know, people with different views of different things can uh, come down on the right side of, of right and wrong just based on that alone. 
So uh, I, I, I think uh, we will have a good discussion. Damn straight. Yeah. And I, I like to think, you know, if Jesus Christ is the top dog up there, that he would at least be understanding of those of us who are not necessarily faithful uh, in that regard, but yet still mm-hmm. try to live our lives virtuously, honestly, mm-hmm. and are not just uh, cynically against religion or whatnot. All right, Sam, welcome. Thank mm-hmm. you. Sorry, I had to roast you. you a little bit there. And I, have, <laughs> I, I, I did give our special guest a little advanced intelligence about your faith and Rolos and <laughs> as well. Next, <laughs> next up, he could fill the role of an extra or maybe even a leading man in any Viking historical drama, and yet he proudly settles for the mere Germanic rebellious spirit of Martin Luther. Rollo, welcome back. <laughs> uh, it's uh, good to be here, and uh, true stories. Yeah, that, I mean, that was a compliment. Uh, you, you really could, you know. Oh, I a... thought you were telling them about the the Broadway play that I was in, <laughs> with the off-Broadway play, where I was oh, Martin geez. Luther, when I turned right. down one of the one of the roles in the show Vikings to do it. Uh, anyway, yes. <laughs> our, our, our guest is rolling his eyes. He's like, am I on this show or are these guys just going to talk for a whole hour? All right. Welcome back, Rolo. Thank you. I was trying to be nice and give you a compliment. Rolo is my whipping boy, sir. And finally, our very special and honored and patient guest. He is, in no particular order, a proud Texan, U.S. Army veteran, husband and father, globe-spanning mercenary journalist, human rights and white rights activist, founder of a neo-religion, and I mean that uh, respectfully, author, speaker, Mensa member, current Californian, because I had to throw one pejorative in there, and now able to add <laughs> Full House veteran to his curriculum vitae, Mr. Stephen McNallan. Welcome to Full House, sir. Thank you very much. It is a pleasure. And already, I can tell for the last two minutes to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I hope I didn't lay it on too thick there. I, 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 I think you deserve it. <laughs> hey, everything to excess. <laughs> we we do this at the top of every show, sir, to smoke out any imposters among our first-time guests. So we're going to subject you to the same, please, your ethnicity, your religion, and your fatherhood status. I am a white man who follows the traditions of Ausatru or the Germanic uh, paganism. Uh, I have two children who are both grown up and adult, and I'm the old man sort of doddering around on the edges. Very good. No grandkids yet, sir? Uh, oh, well, yes, I've got, uh, let's see, I got I got a couple, yeah. Uh-huh. There, uh, there you go. I, sh- I showed your picture to uh, my family before we re-recorded, re- excuse me, and I said, he lo- he looks like he could be a really, you know, he's a he's an in-shape Santa Claus, you know, with that white beard. I met that respectfully, too. <laughs> you, you know, if you ever need a side hustle around Christmas, you could probably pull it off. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and uh, your ethnicity, sir, obviously you're at least partially Irish. Anything else there in the mix? Irish, English, and German pretty much top off all my uh, my majors. Uh, my mother uh, comes from an English background. My father, uh, his folks are up from Northern Ireland and have been sh- very bad boys and disliked by the system. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I, I, of course, we're quite into our ancestors. And I, I have a special feeling for a grandmother that I never actually met because she died when my father was about three years old. And her name, well, you know, we would say Gertrude, 
but we usually say words like Gertrude with sort of a sneer. I remember, you know, my huh. my 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 kids and you know in in school say Gertrude, really? But of course it's get it's Gertrude. Gertrude, and it means spear mighty. Nice. So I like to think I've got I got some kick ass uh, ancestry there. <laughs> I, I think I think you do, sir, and I like your pronunciation of it far better, <laughs> for sure. As I alluded, yeah, as I alluded to in the opener, we got a delightful challenge on our hands: where to focus our time. We've got your life stories, Wotanism, and no less important, your latest book, The Spear, which I have in my hands, autographed by you, and uh, it's available at runestone.org. More about that later. Uh, but because we are ostensibly the dad show of our cause, could you give us a little insight, please, sir, about uh, perhaps young McNallan before you became uh, a holy man of sorts? Anything from your upbringing that you credit uh, for the fire that so still clearly burns within you? Well, I was, I was never, I was never a, a part of crowd. I was, I was that uh, bookish guy in junior high and high school who, who was politically involved, um, sending letters to strange addresses in Miami uh, during a certain period in history and uh, who, who wanted to, to join the army and do crazy stuff if he couldn't go to space. I mean, that was, that, that was me basically. And you think it was more, that was your inborn nature as opposed to the nurture that your parents provided? You know, uh, well, I, I got, I got some quote conservative uh, environment from my father who, who hated the Democrats and, <laughs> and, you know, ended up voting for Kennedy anyway. Um, but mostly, mostly I, I, as strange as this may sound, I feel that some of us, or most of us, maybe even, I, I can't judge on that, are born into the times we need to be born into. And forgive me for sounding pompous, I don't mean this, but I, I feel I was born, as many others were, to fight these battles. We're here for a reason, and I have thrown away the scabbard, and I am hmm. as happy as I can be to be here doing this. Amen. And your journey, you actually have a pretty, uh, it, it seems factual and not too slanderous, your Wikipedia article, you gave me some background. <laughs> but you know, as I understand it, you read a Viking novel in college and that kind of was an epiphany for you, you changed your life. Uh, you, you wanna recommend the book to our listeners and, and what happened there, please? Well, you know, it's, it's crazy. It was, I was taking a summer semester because I had, apparently screwed up in one course or another. God's only know which one. And, um, you know, it was, an, it was a nice day and I was living in the dorm and I read copiously anyway, usually science fiction when I could get it or any good adventure story or anything like that. So, so I, I, I got restless and I didn't have a car. So I walked over to a little, a little mom and pop grocery like they used to have you know, not part of a chain, but a little mom and pop. And as so many of those in institutions had, it had a corner filled with secondhand books. Mm -hmm. And I was, hey, maybe I can find some more Robert E. Howard, you know. And so I'm, I'm over here and I'm going through stuff. And oh, no, get the dust off of this one. Oh, man, who stacked these things? Dude, they're not even sorted. What's, <laughs> what, what's this? What's this? Oh. Dude, what's the, what's this guy? He's got a sword and a and a funny looking helmet. Uh, yeah, 
called The Viking by Edison Marshall. Well, it's not Conan, but I guess it'll do. <laughs> and I took it back, and actually, um, Edison Marshall was uh, a uh, a novel writer of some some repute back in the <laughs> back in the fifties, <laughs> and uh, and this is a book that had survived that that uh, period, and it was set in the time of the conversion from Christianity from from, from heathendom to Christianity. And it, it it gave I I thought a fairly well balanced description of of both both rationales, and it, it was a good novel and idealistic and and all that good stuff, and uh, and the the the, the main uh, character in the book uh, persisted with the old religion, mm -hmm. uh, but the important thing to me was just the the dichotomy that was was presented and and. I had been sort of a fallen away Catholic anyway, um, but and I had been you know reading weird and magical, magical, magical and mystical sorts of things you know as in 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 college and some of it was total BS but that's a whole other story. Uh, but I was struck by the the worldview of of Teutonic society, and I thought, damn, this is for me. This 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 strikes a chord strongly, powerfully. See, I was at that point in my life and in, in my college endeavors where as an ROTC student, you know, I would be in a couple of years or I don't remember, you know, let's say one or two years from the from the date in question. Uh, I would be going into uh, the military and because I was idealistic and gung ho, um, I wanted to to join special forces and go and fight commies. Sure. Okay. Pretty idealistic view. And obviously I would look back on that with different eyes at this point in my life, but I was young, dumb and full of it. And, uh, it was, uh, it was perhaps a logical thing that I would be attracted to this, this Viking esque ultra manly kind of scenario. So that was the beginning. And yes, it was a naive beginning. Yes, it was. It wasn't quite infantile, but it, it was it was it was playing to all my my male energies, you know, and so what, what, I, whatever works, you know, if, if it's a yeah. simple novel that changes your life and sets you on a good path, whatever the hell it is, uh, and, and good that, for it. Yeah. Uh, so so that that got me launched and then I, I tried to learn what I could. But uh, I, <laughs> the college I went to was, was pretty not large, shall we say, and that went for the library as well. So I go over and I'm trying to find any, you know, any textual stuff on, on the Viking Age or their, their beliefs or their principles. They had one, I say again, one copy of Vieta, mm -hmm. uh, and, and that was a, and a couple of sagas, and that was about it. So it was a long learning curve. But I did my best to to you know approach this in a scholarly way, rather than just you know reacting with my my over testosterone inclinations, and uh, and the rest is history. Sure, and, and I you know you did. I assume you were doing ROTC not just because you had the warrior ethos, but that was helping to to pay for college. And then of course the deal is then you're put in as a you know probably a second lieutenant officer when you get out. Uh, but I, but as I understand it, you quickly grew disillusioned with the military and perhaps had your racial awakening. You already had that spiritual 
an ancestral awakening underway, but did something happen in the military to wake you up racially or was it a process, just the whole long slog? Well, uh, several different things. Um, I was, I was an idealist and when an idealist has his, his reality punctured with the thorns of, you know, opposition, it, it sometimes the deflation comes and I, I go into the army. I went uh, straight from ranger school to being the XO of a headquarters company in a support command in Germany. I had volunteered for Vietnam, but it was late in the war and they weren't taking any fresh meat that week. Hmm. Um, and in retrospect, in retrospect, I look back at how little I knew and that just, that probably saved my ass. The, uh, the life expectancy of a second lieutenant infantry at that part of the war towards the end when the fragging was going on and all that stuff mm -hmm. was estimated to be 16 minutes under fire. Those poor bastards being the, the last ones to die for a losing war in Vietnam. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sad. Very sad. Infuri infuriating, actually. Yep. So, so here I am. I'm sitting at at this uh, at this desk, uh, pushing papers and stuff like that, and, and totally getting disillusioned. Um, but uh, Germany was awesome. Uh, you know, I, I loved the chance to get around and do things like that. I, I took advantage of everything to get away from the desk that I possibly could. I, uh, I you know, learned to qualify. I qualified on all of the uh, the German you know, weapons. Uh, I got my my German parachutist wings. <laughs> that was fun. That was a kick in the butt, <laughs> and, and you know, stuff like that. And 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 got got uh, got some travel time in, all while continuing my my spiritual interests and trying to expand them through through a newsletter that I I would had had some friends publishing back stateside. So uh, the, the continuity had, had been unbroken. Basically I was, mm -hmm. you know, several years by now had passed, but I was, I was still carrying that torch, but I knew so little, I knew so little. I was motivated in much more by, by romanticism and idealism than by anything scholarly, but uh, that, and so it went. And so it went. Fair enough. Uh, well, a slightly personal question, but I wanted to do it close to the top here. Your wife is quite on board. I watched your speech from Amran this year. Of course, it was a delight to all of your co-religionists that uh, you called on a favor from from on high and uh, lightning and thunder <laughs> struck at a certain point in your speech, but it was, it was awesome. Uh, you, you got a tough question from the audience and then your wife was in the audience and she helped answer. Uh, I'm just curious, was, did you uh, convert her in a sense or was she already a fellow traveler in terms of your, uh, both of your uh, religious faiths? No, I, I brought her, I brought her around. Um, she's, she's a good, a good, a good Irish Catholic girl that she is. Uh, and I ruined it all. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, I think either one of us could have been inclined towards the, the Celtic ways, but, but no, the Nordic Germanic aspect of my ancestry won out very strongly. And uh, Sheila is actually very, very active in, in the cause, she is uh, she is a, a person of, of high repute in the Asatru Folk Assembly, which is the name of the the organization mm -hmm. that, that I founded. And uh, in fact, even as I speak, she is probably downstairs on a one of her many meetings, and she has you know numerous meetings a day. She she works very hard and uh, and uh, just coming coming along lovely. 
Lucky man, blessed man. It's absolutely an asset to have a wife who is uh, not just on board, but also involved and and hardworking. And you give credit to her for helping a lot with the spear as well. One more, uh, perhaps uh, touchy or tough question. Last week we had on a lifelong German national socialist uh, who really opened up and explained how a, a lot of his life has been painful, especially with regard to his family relations as a result of his rock ribbed ideology has, has your faith and your prominence uh, proven tough with your family, with your kids? Did they ever rebel against you or, or more smooth sailing for you? I hope. Well, my kids just think I'm weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they don't think I'm evil. Um, my, the, the hardest on that end of, of the issue was with my relationship with my parents, um, you know, who were, were, were good, good Catholics. And uh, I mean, hell, it was be, be, being a being a Norse pagan by whatever name you wish to call that is considerably worse than being a Baptist. And in, in small town <laughs> Texas, small town Texas, it was this this eternal feud between the local Baptists and the local Catholics. And you know, as, as a child, I, okay, you got time for an anecdote. Of course. <laughs> uh, I thought you might. Yeah, so. How about it? <laughs> when I was very young. I mean, very young, God's, I, I don't know, pre, obviously preschool. I, I had gone with my parents over to Fort Worth where uh, my, my grandparents lived. And I, I guess I had become upset at something the adults were doing. And I retreated in anger under the, the dinner table. Um, and I, I don't know the reason for that, but, but I remember mother saying, you get out from under there, Stevie, Stevie, get out from under that table. And I said, I will not. I'm going to have to swear. Said, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. You got to pass. I'm going to be a goddamn Baptist and go straight to hell, <laughs> which is obviously something I had heard around my house. <laughs> I'll show you, mom. <laughs> And, and, you know, I don't think it's necessary to say that I, I harbored no, no anger towards Baptists. But, but apparently at that time in my life, I had been told some not very nice things about Baptists. There was actually quite a feud in my hometown. There, there was one Baptist preacher who, you know, basically saying, we ought to you know, burn down all those churches with the, with the crucifix oh. on top and so forth. But, but uh, you know. Yeah, painful well, reminder. I, yeah. I don't. I don't carry that stuff with me. You know, <laughs> you just can't carry that stuff. Now, <laughs> your parents didn't disavow you for your new faith. Were they just deeply disappointed in you? Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. I'm sure they prayed a lot for me. And and you know, I I'm, I'm sorry that that happened. I'm sorry they were hurt, obviously, but yeah, I I did what I had to do. Yep. Our lives would be a lot simpler if we just shut up and went to work and didn't rock the boat. But that is not what our lives yeah. are about. we got to live boldly. Yeah, and uh, certainly mine. <laughs> indeed. All right. Well, Mr. McNallan, a couple secret squirrels came out of the woodwork to say, I heard you're having McNallan on. He's awesome. You don't know this. You don't know this. And they did enlighten me about quite a few stories from your background. So I got to ask <laughs> at least at least a couple here. I don't know what order I'm going to go, but let's let's do the. Uh, I called it mercenary globetrotting reporter. You were, you were a, re a reporter for Soldier of Fortune. I guess you were teaching uh, school teacher during the year, and then summers you would travel the world to report from hot spots. Uh, take that wherever you want. <laughs> Give us some good, some meat. Okay. 
That's basically true. Um, okay. Yeah, I was, I was I was a school teacher who, as you put it, um, you know, when I wasn't school teaching, I uh, I was I was freelancing. Actually, I was never on staff, but I would go to unusual places, places where you can't drink the water and and uh, and, and report. And this was usually connected with my own ideological principles. You know, I, I spent some time in South Africa. I tried to get into Angola uh, from Katima Mulilo um, to, across the line to Angola to, to interview Jonas Savimbi back when the Cubans were, were you know, run, running oh, amok yeah. through, through Angola. Uh, I, I went up to Dharamsala in India, interviewed Tibetans who had fought against the Chinese back in the day. At the end of the interview session, I am told that uh, uh, about half of the guys I interviewed asked their the translators, um, is this guy really a journalist? Are we going to do it again? <laughs> so, <laughs> and, you know, I hope when it's, when it's my turn to die, I would prefer that it be in defense of my folk. If I can't do that, I wouldn't mind dying ambushing Chinese convoys on the Xinjiang Highway. <laughs> so, <laughs> lock and load, baby. And, and right you were, in the rock and roll. <laughs> amen. And you were and you were in Bosnia too. Now, fair warning: my wife is a Serb, oh. so I'm a, I'm a partisan on that conflict, uh, at least okay. ideologically. But what what was your impression or experience from con uh, you know conflict in the Balkans? It was it was I. There was a lot of emotion ended up in this one. Uh, I had I had flown when when I was not able to get into Angola. I uh, you know I'm flying out of Johannesburg, coming back to the states, and I realized I'm not ready to come home yet. And on that long, long, long flight from Joburg up to Amsterdam, I changed my mind and, and I got off the plane, forfeited the rest of my ticket. Bought, uh, yeah, of course, it was war it was summer down in South Africa. It was mm -hmm. cold as heck up in 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 Europe. It was, mm -hmm. and so here I am, dressed very lightly, uh, out on the streets buying things like combat boots and <laughs> and fatigues and yeah, anything to stay warm with. Mm -hmm. And I um, I caught uh, caught some transportation and ended up, uh, you know. Ended up in uh, Tomislavgrad, um, and I uh, I get off the bus, and what I what I had gotten uh, in Croatia was was a uh, you know a piece of paper saying basically you know hook this guy up with X Y Z blah blah blah, and then I got to thinking what if what if this paper just says Take this guy out behind the building, <laughs> right? Out, you know, uh, so I, I I get off the bus. I hand this <clears throat> hand this piece of paper to uh, to a guy all in uniform and beard and who spoke no English. And of course, I spoke not a not a paragraph of of their language. And he he motions to me to follow him. And I think, well, where is this going to end up? You know. Eh, 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 eh. Yeah. But we, we, we walked down and it's snowing and we sit down through the snow there and I, I see a, a building down there a few hundred yards away and this side of it I see a guy I knew from California Fred Fred the Merc 
<laughs> Fred Verdine, who was a, a remarkable man with his with horrible issues, but we were we were close friends. We were close friends, and by now I looked like hell, but because I'd been traveling rough for weeks and weeks and weeks, I was heavily bearded. I, I you know, I was I was a mess, and so here I am with my with my street bought you know, jackets on, and here is Fred. Fred impeccable. Fred tall, good looking with his beret at just the right angle because that was Fred. And he's talking with a couple of guys there. And like I say, I'm unrecognizable by now. And I'm walking past him. <laughs> and and I look up and I make eye contact and I say, hi, Fred. <laughs> and his his response is not suitable for, for, for your program. <laughs> Fair enough. So, so Fred the Merc, as I call him in some of my my journalisms, Fred the Merc and Dave the Rhodesian, which was it was his, his sidekick. We uh, we knocked around. There, there was nothing of consequence going on there. Um, I don't know what. I don't know if it was bogged down for weather reasons. Probably not. I, maybe it was political stuff. Whatever the reason. I mean, I was issued full kit. I carried a rifle. Um, I knew what to do if if. You know, I was in a vehicle and, and ha bad things started happening, but I was never shot at. I got a, you know, it's it just, I, it was just very strange. It was surreal. Surreal is probably the best word. And we, we went to very strange places and did interesting things. Amazing. Someday, sometime I'll tell you about the, the disco at the end of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Probably not on this show. Fair enough. Yeah, you, you got to save save some content for other shows, or perhaps coming back on this one. Um, well, you, maybe. Uh, yeah, all right, we'll, we'll see. Go ahead, but pour pour yourself a stiff one there, teetotal, uh, and uh, have a little fun with us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, if, I, uh, if I come back later, I'll, I'll tell you about the disco at the end of the universe and. Sounds, why sounds like why we, why we needed another vehicle other than the vehicle that we had, and there was one from the United Nations, and oh well, never mind. All right. It's a deal. Uh, Jared Taylor Jared Taylor referenced this in introducing you for your speech at Ameren, but you cert, I guess you were uh, still in the National Guard in California during the LA riots in 92, I, I believe it was. Uh, yes. did, you, did you have to get physically uh, active there or were you just on patrols? Uh, just ran patrols. I was, let's see, I was a... How did I? I, I had gotten out, I'd gotten out of the military and swore I would never again wear green, stand in line, or call anybody sir. And then I got, you know, I got to hanker in it. I loved it. I, I loved being in the infantry. Uh, I, I loved being with 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 the kind of men who are soldiers. And uh, at that point, let's see. I guess I was the platoon sergeant, uh, which was the funnest thing I ever did in the military was being a platoon sergeant. Like that, being an officer just sucks, especially if you're pushing papers and no, no, nobody thinks you know anything. Uh, but yes, I, uh, I did stand on the corner of Hollywood and Vine with a loaded M16. Um, we were just doing routine patrols, you know, and you know, mm -hmm. make, making a show on the turf. Um, it was a very interesting time as well, um, and uh, yeah, All right. yeah, yeah. No, no dramatic stories except to say that we, I, we bivouacked uh, on on the Hollywood Bowl, mm -hmm. 
you know, we pull up, our bus pulls up and we're in front of the Hollywood Bowl and say, okay, go get all your gear, put it on the stage. So, I mean, we needed a poster, you know, it says, yeah, Delta Company plays the Hollywood Bowl, you know, but uh, alas, <laughs> whatever. Thank you, for, yeah, th thank you for indulging my uh, curiosity about a couple of these <laughs> stories. And, and of course, we are, we are going to hear slowly pivot to the book and to the faith. Uh, another source told me that you had uh, a sort of epiphany when you were actually in commune or at least hanging out with Native Americans, American Indians. And when uh, I guess they were pretty hospitable to you and they were about to engage in a religious ceremony that you wanted to go through with. And they said, not so fast, not so fast you know pale skin this is for us not you does that ring a bell <laughs> well it's it's it the story is familiar but i was not the individual involved this is this ah, is okay. from my book on on asa true okay. uh and i uh i was making the point for an ethnic basis of of religious belief or of you know sure belief in general and uh the the person to whom that happened was was a friend of mine who had gone to a powwow and of course the indians they do all the dances and the lot you know they do all of this and all of that and show off their beads and show off the feathers and then when it's time to do indian stuff they 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 send all all around eyes home and um and and they were very polite about it they said to my friend uh well i'm, I'm glad, glad you liked it here um I'm glad you had a good time, but we're going to do Indian things now, and and you know I'm asking you to leave. And he said, "Well, did I do something wrong?" I said, "No, not at all. It's just this is our stuff, and and, and mm -hmm. it's special to us." And that was, I guess, confirmation of my own belief that uh, that there's a, a innate tendency in, in in spiritual beliefs that by race. I mean, I think we could certainly look at aspects of Christianity that are completely parallel to to our beliefs. You know, the the also true beliefs. We all believe in you know loyalty, honor, and you know that you know, we could run a list of, of virtues. Um, and this this particular notion came to the attention of a man named Vine Deloria, who was an American Indian. I think he was of the Standing Rock Sioux. Um, and his whole tenet is that, yeah, religion, religion is, is ethnic. I mean, it's racially based and everybody has theirs and you, you need to respect the other guys. Um, and he, he wrote me a, a very nice letter and he said something to the effect of, um, I, I hope that more people read your book because then we won't have so many round eyes. He didn't say round eyes. I yeah. uh, said, non, non, non Indians trying to come to our sweat lodges you know it was it was it was it wasn't hostile towards white people it wasn't hostile towards christians it was just saying i wish they quit trying to copy our stuff you know sure and you know wannabe one of the members of the wannabe tribe right you know yeah. yeah. What's what's good for them, also good for us. You have a sort of humility and mutual respect uh, for other ethnicities and races. Yeah. Heaven forbid that shows through in your writing. And uh, yeah, it's 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 far past time for us to claim yeah. the right rights and privileges as you've been and fighting for them. Yep. Go ahead. I got, I got a very nice email very early on in the game. Um, it must have been just a little bit after I came back from the army. Um, I uh, I got an email saying basically thank you uh, 
for for what you're doing for your people that way we will have fewer white people showing up at our it was something something the an, an african-based religion was doing you know right. i mean uh, they're, they're they they do a big thing of their theirs you know and there's no no doubt no doubt about it to whom it belongs and you know peace be unto you you know uh, sure go, go your way in peace one more fascinating uh, aspect of your activism, too, that I have to ask here is this idea. It's not it's not a crazy idea by any respect that white men or Caucasian men, white presenting men were present in North America long before Columbus, whether it's the Salutrian hypothesis or this fascinating story I had never heard of. And I guarantee most of the audience has not, but that's Kennebec man up in the Columbia river basin of Columbia. You gave a lovely speech. Looked like it was in the nineties. I didn't see the date mm -hmm. in which uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'll, I'll let you present it, but essentially the remains were found of what everyone at the scene assumed was a Caucasian body. And they didn't know that it was from, many thousands of years ago and it, it resulted in a huge fight with the indians the government the body etc and you threw yourself uh into the middle of it anything you want to the, the essentials you want to share with the audience about that and then they can do their homework after the show oh yeah kennewick man that was that was a major thing occupied a lot of our time for an, ex, you know, an expended, ex, extended period and justifiably so i think uh it came out complex and to this day you know i don't actually know the truth of the situation our our belief was at that time and it is still entirely possible that it is true that this man was of of european descent he he is his uh, his bone structure and so many other things indicated that that was the case and it it's it is obfuscated to say the least right. um the 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 place where he was found was by the Clinton administration. I should help on the time scale. Uh, Clinton's guys basically dropped tons and tons and tons of rock, soil, and perhaps worse worse of all, organic material uh, into into the area where where he had been found, which was going to make it very difficult, perhaps, to analyze anything else that might have come up. Uh, the administration at the time clearly took the Indian side, um, mm -hmm. and it was you know it was it was pretty tense there at the time. Um, we persisted to to in the fight. We we got a lawyer. Um, we took it to court. Uh, you know, and everything ended up you know at a draw. No no great forward movement of any kind. Right. Um, so. It, it it looked like maybe the, of course, the Wikipedia article is not going to be authoritative, but they, I guess, acknowledge that maybe he was of Ainu uh, origin from Japan, who are particularly white presenting Japanese, you know, maybe uh, yeah. journeyman, journeyman from, uh, from, from Europe who made it all the way there. Uh, but yeah, yeah fascinating story. I had never heard of that, uh, yeah. you know, through, through a monkey wrench into a lot of the native American claims. Right. It's always been ours. We've always been here. You guys arrived 1492. Yeah. Well, you know, one, one thing that impressed me, here's, here's one story I carry away with me. Um, uh, and, and it just, my jaw dropped when this happened. Um, they were transferring the remains from the Kennewick area 
over to uh, a major laboratory, uh, Battelle, I guess. Yeah, Battelle, where they do or have done all yep. the atomic stuff and all that good things. And uh, okay, so the Indians are out there, and they're they are they're doing their dances. I'm cool with that. They're doing their dances around, and uh, Sheila and I went off to one side and and gave blow to Odin. Um, in in semi-private, at least, or anybody who was looking could see us over there. But, you know, I, we didn't want anybody just hanging out. Um, and then I, I'll go back over, and they get, they're pulling together a convoy to head over to Battelle. And a little white guy comes out of the building and says to the Indian dancers, okay, all you guys that work for me, uh, Come on over uh, here, and like whiskey tango foxtrot, man. Right. <laughs> yeah, giving the game away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What can I say? So, uh, right. so I, I, I don't, I don't know that we ever got to a truth on that. I did yep. get an admission from one of the lawyers that if if the remains had been found in current history of a man who had sailed with Leif Erikson. Mm-hmm. he would be declared a native American and would be taken over. And that's crazy. That's just, yep. that's just crazy. Yeah, yep. I don't know. Indian privilege, uh, <laughs> such as it were. Yeah. Uh, Indian uh, th- thank you. Thank you for <laughs> indulging my, my question. Uh, I had to do that question. for myself and the audience. Go ahead, Sam, please. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I had heard uh, some story uh, years ago about the Mandem tribe. M-A-N-D-A-M, and I was just quickly trying to Google if that had any, any connection to what you were talking about there. But um, do you know about the Mandam tribe? No, no, I don't. They were, well, it's, you could look it up. Uh, they were supposedly very white uh, so-called Indians that, uh, you know, give give some credence to these theories about Salutrians and stuff like that. I just happened to see on this uh, uh Website here, worldhistory.us, and an enigmatic Welsh Mandem Amerindian tribe. And he's talking about he's impressed by their white complexions, varying hair color, gray blue mm-hmm. eyes. And if you look at some of these pictures, you know, some of them look very um, white. Um, yeah. So I just thought I'd throw that in there and see if you had heard of that, Steve. I had not, but thanks for letting me know. Um, <clears throat> you know, the history is especially anthropological history, if there is, is such a term. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot of question marks, a lot of question marks still. I mean, Vine Deloria, I've, I've got a, a, a little video set of him sitting on a, sitting on a rock out in the middle of a river, uh, you know, and he's talking about all of this, and he talks about the red-haired giants. Uh, and and he, he, his tribe believed in him. Uh, and other tribes would believe in them, and uh, they're, they're an, an issue in, in in some areas. You know, you can go to Lovelock Cave, and that's supposedly where the red-haired giants, uh, the huge white people, uh, lived until until they killed them all. So, Fair so enough. I don't know. It, it is a it is a, uh, a, a stack of mysteries. There's also uh, again, this is apocryphal evidence. I can't defend it exactly, but um, I've heard that 
in analyzing the DNA of these, what we call Indians, that they find those genetic markers of European type DNA. And the nature of this type of study is they can, they can uh, identify when that DNA came into the, into that line, right? And, and it's way before the Europeans we know about came here. So that also uh, gives rise to this idea that there were Europeans here. And just like always, the mud people, you know, overcome and, and slaughter the, the white people. And uh, with, but not before maybe assimilating some of their DNA. Yeah. Hard to say, hard to say. I, I don't have the answers on that. Um, and mm-hmm. I know we cannot trust the establishment to actually give us any right. factual information on that. Uh, I talked with a, uh, an anthropologist in Nevada who was working on, uh, on a find over there. And she re- reports that this quote Indian had a beard. So Again, question mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah, so. the in- Indians Indians didn't have uh, facial hair and not even much body hair either. And this was one of the things like when um, Hernan Cortez came to the uh, ancient, uh, you know, Aztec uh, empire there in Mexico and uh, Montezuma, that was his claim of being descended from gods as he had facial hair whereas all the other Indians did not. And so then when, when all these bearded guys show up, he's like, hey, you know, and that's why he, he treated them like brothers, but he was kind of confused, like, wait, these guys are invaders, but here they are with the beards. I have a beard. Hmm. Uh, the, the way the pictures show him, he had like a goatee and a mustache. I don't know, full beard or whatever, but, <laughs> if, but yeah. you know, it does say if, something anyways. If a beard yeah, is a yeah. sign of divinity, then uh, yeah, McNallan's got some some divine game going on there. Uh, Sam <laughs> Rolo and me, not, not, not so much. <laughs> it's a nice beard. Working on it. Working on it. There you go. <laughs> All right, let, let's let's get on. Uh, really, the core reason we're having you on, aside from everything else that is so fascinating, is the spear. The existence of my people is not negotiable. McAllen's or McNallan's eight words. Excuse me. One of my favorite lines from the book: Our native. Religion is heroic, stoic, deeply rooted in our history, and it is waiting for you when you are ready, both confident with a bit of humility there, too, that comes through throughout the manifesto of sorts. Tell the audience about the book, Mr. McNallan, please, and why they should buy it. I've written other things, but I really believe that this one is the most important thing I've written in many ways. Uh, but it's, it's very different from my other book, which, which you know, also true in Native European spirituality is, is like it sounds. You know, it covers everything from the mythology, the, uh, our, 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 our rituals, our, our calendar year, and, you know, so many other things. Um, but the spear, the spear has an urgency to it. Um, frankly, we are, we are approaching tough times. I don't think anybody can deny that. And we've got to get down to the essence of things. I like my eight words. I mean, with all respect to the folks who have the 14, uh, I think this one, this is succinct. It's to the, no pun intended, to the point. Um, The existence of my people is not negotiable. And the thing is, as I've pointed out to people who accuse me of being the most racist guy in the whole wide world, uh, I say, well, wait a sec, you know, 
any anybody could legitimately say this. I mean, you could be black and say the existence of my people is not negotiable. And so, yeah, I, I ducked that one. But uh, it's simple. It's straightforward. It's passionate. And it is non-compromising. Um, and my cat just wandered into the room. I'm going to interesting. Okay. She's black. Just saying. <laughs> oh, there you go. I, <laughs> just saying. I know racist. As, as, as long as you cat. didn't. As long as you didn't name the cat uh, the way H.P. Lovecraft named his cat. Not sure if you're familiar oh, with that I, one. I didn't. I know. Tell me. Tell me it, what did he, he? He named his cat Nigger. <laughs> so oh, gets, I, I yeah, it's okay. We it's that's a factual. That's a factual <laughs> statement. We won't get in trouble for that one. Uh, uh, there you uh, go. You're just reporting, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. Um. You you saw the. I, I don't know if they were surprising results of the poll I put out on Telegram. It was a sincere question for our audience. What is your faith? Around fifty percent mm -hmm. Christian. Uh, perhaps a slightly higher percentage than I expected. About twenty seven percent pagan or heathen or Asatru Odinist, however you want to right. uh, call it yourself. And then, of course, about 20% irreligious. And then, you know, we got a few Hindus and, and Muslims and assorted others in the audience, to whom we still, mm -hmm. of course, respect. The thing that comes to my mind, the show is not to uh, tell Christians that they are wrong and they need to repent and come back home to mama, although I wouldn't be upset if they did that. Sam might be. Uh, is that I think for that 20 or so percentage of people like myself, irreligious, having a faith is a huge life asset, both in terms of uh, satisfaction, uh, comradeship with your kindred, and perhaps going all in and actually faithfully believing in Odin and the ways and the beliefs of our ancestors to give people who are lacking a faith something that, that benefits them in all those ways. Uh, I assume that that is a, a core part of your, your mission, but a, a little more, a little more from the spirit in, in that spirit, please, if you would, sir. Well, I, I try to direct the spear at anyone who holds our basic racial beliefs. And obviously it is a, shall we use the term heathen, some take it in a derogatory sense, but it, it actually it derives it. from a, a, a Germanic tongue. Um, you recall my, uh, my speech before uh, the Amran conference, mm -hmm. in, in which I made it clear that my speech was not meant in any way to be an attack on on Christian beliefs or Christian individuals that uh, I was, you know, exp expressing this thing, which is important to me. I talked about, uh, I talked about Wotan and I talked about the Wotan archetype. And I said uh, that as far as I'm concerned, everybody in the audience can, can, can take my words either way. If you are a follower of my faith, great. But I think the vast majority of you are not. So if it pleases you, please feel free to think of Wotan as an archetype in the collective unconscious of our race. Uh, and, um, and of course, actually, I, I said, I believe in Wotan slash Odin slash Woden in his, his, you know, a couple of hundred other names. <laughs> um, but uh, um, I'm not insistent. And to me, in this sense, blood is thicker than baptismal water. 
you know, I love all my white brothers and sisters, regardless of their faith. And and in no way am I trying to to take away from from the value of their beliefs. So, um, and and the, I think the audience uh, reacted well to that. Uh, mm -hmm. The the idea of going to an Amarin conference um, years previously would have been, uh, you know, not a very good thing. At least not if you're going to be speaking. Um, and I, I think I've drifted away from your question. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no trouble at all. Speaking of the speech, you had a couple yeah. great lines in there too. Of yeah. course, no race that grovels before those who hate it will survive. That might not be a hundred percent transcribed correctly, but I love that one. We are we are a major we are a major inconvenience for the world managers there too. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, did do you think there's a way for white people to have a sort of fusion this is wandering perhaps into truly heretical territory but to both have faith in the old gods and in jesus christ do you know any pagan christians if that makes sense i you know i don't <laughs> but i don't i don't i don't feel the urgency for it that that you that that you, you know other people may have because uh, I, I have nothing against people with Christian beliefs in the first place. Um, you know, um, well, uh, I was, uh, I'm sorry. Say I, again. Yeah. What I would say on that is um, for the Christians, I would say uh, you can look at this type of uh, material as uh, th there's something good to be taken from it. I think uh, especially the, mythological stories and things like that can be appreciated for what they are and should be appreciated for what they are. Uh, I think you can remain a Christian with the firm uh, intention, as I do, that we, we would love to help people become Christians or lead people to Christianity or tell people about it. But, but we can certainly appreciate what this uh, stuff is about. A lot of it will feel you know, very consistent with with Christianity, and like uh, we, you were saying before, as as a as a youth, you know, that you threatened to become a Baptist, stuff like that. <laughs> I, I think in in this day and age that we live, it certainly becomes very clear. Like, you know, um, whether it's a fellow comrade or um, maybe even someone in our own family or something like this. People that are interested in this type of material is not taking that person away, like from our moral values, the right. way I understand it, you know, and, and in this day and age, we could live in where your sibling or a friend or someone, you know, or a child or something's going to become <laughs> transgendered or, or, you know, be involved in something truly weird you know, I think that something like this, you can see like a sort of a the similar goodness in it, the, what we would uh, say is in Christianity. And that's that's not to water down the differences. There are obviously differences in it and a different type of belief in certain things. But there is a uh, certain moral compass, whether it's a white Christian or a white pagan or something like that. Uh, there's there's a similar moral compass and there's something that draws our people to these things you know kind of almost unspoken or very subtle things uh if you go to for instance a traditional catholic mass it's going to be 
95 plus percent white people there. You know, if you go to a blue bluegrass concert, it's going to be 95 percent plus people there, you know. So there's just something inherent about it that uh, speaks to our souls, if you will. Amen. Yes, I, I, I would agree. And, and in fact, I I went down to visit my brother down in Texas. Uh, uh, oh, it's been how long? A year or two back. And like I say, I come from a very Catholic family, uh, but the modern day church is just, you know, right. repulsive to them. Yeah, some, and so, somebody, and, somebody following <laughs> your thing would be way better than like a Catholic following the Pope today, right? <laughs> Pretty much. And so, and so what, I, I suppose you're familiar with the traditional Catholic uh, movement uh, and the, oh, you know, yeah. it's, it's got, they've got, you know, trap traveling, traveling priests with their altar oh, yeah. boys. And, Absolutely. And, and they came down while I was visiting him to, to do mass. Right. And, uh, and it was awesome. We talked for hours and hours and, mm-hmm. you know, no, no, no vehemence. No. Oh, you suck. <laughs> no, you're right. full shit. Nothing like that. It was, right. it was, it was very, very much in agreement on things like morals and values. Yeah. Uh, and, and all, all the, 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 the rock of, of our, our civilization. And I would stand by those guys any day. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Good stuff. Uh, Sir, you reference or cite Carl Jung's uh, essay on Wotan several times throughout the book. Obviously, he's like the the anti-Freud, brilliant German philosopher, (laughs) psychologist, and perhaps uh, went from a sort of theoretical or cultural identity with, I prefer to say Odin, it rolls off my tongue easier, uh, and then sure. perhaps to, to a literal faith in him later. Uh, share, I'll post the essay uh, in the show notes or link to it, but uh, if you could share some of the essentials of Carl Jung on Odin, please. Well, in uh, in in his manuscript, of course, he, he, he speaks of Wotan and presumably other deities as, you know, the, these archetypes in the collective unconscious. And I kind of, I kind of like Jung's stuff. I mean, he gave us the collective unconscious, and Sigmund Freud gave us penis envy. I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> uh, but and uh, and uh, Jung, of course, he kept this idea, I think, for quite a long while of just an archetype. I'm putting that in quotes, uh, my quotes, not his. Um, the, but the, the word is, and I have not seen documentation on this, but, but supposedly Miguel Serrano says that uh, on, on Jung's last visit down there, he, 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 he confided that he felt that there was something else going on than just a, a, an archetype. And, and as far as I'm concerned, people can believe whatever it is they wish to. You know, um, Jung's work is still very valuable. Uh, and it's it, it's 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 a treasure trove in lots of ways. Amen. And you and you have had some instances in your life where you believe that it was divine intervention uh, from the old gods who essentially saved your ass. Um, so it, and the it rest is, of me too. <laughs> <Excuse>. <laughs> yes. Yes. Shall I go into story more story mode now? <laughs> Uh, yes. 
It, sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm back. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a little bit about Odin himself, please, sir. I, I think the majority of the audience seems, sees him as the old one-eyed guy with the long beard and a raven on his shoulder and, and a spear. Uh, but he's mm-hmm. more than just iconography for you. What, what's the essential Odin to you? He is a, a being who can certainly appear as a human being if he wishes to and step into people's lives and do things. Uh, he is the, uh, essentially, you know, people think, well, he's, a, he's the God of war and battle. Well, no, really the essence of him is wisdom. Uh, his name derives from a, you know, proto Germanic or whatever, whatever word, Wolvan Oz, which basically means, um, in, if I'm getting it right, uh, just an in, in individuated or uh, consciousness. Uh, he is a god of consciousness and of wisdom. That's, that's what he's all about. Anything else he does is is to to emphasize that or to utilize that. Uh, for for a war god, you can go to Tyr or even Thor, and um, Odin certainly participates, but he participates in a very high level. Um, in the sagas, the, um, the 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 Norsemen would would throw their, their the spear over the enemy host before the start of the battle, uh, and shout something like "I give you to to Wotan" or "I give you to Odin." You know, basically, you're you guys are just meat. You're sacrifices, dude. <laughs> you know that kind of a thing. You're toast. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're toast. Only worse. <laughs> So uh, yeah, and uh, that—that's—he's he's the wisdom guy. He's the wisdom guy, and I like to think. I hope he's up there doing doing some good things for us because we need all the wisdom we can get our hands on. That's right. Uh, I, I've got I've got him on my hoodie right now. Long before I knew anything about this stuff, I just thought it was cool. So I have a uh, soldier uh, sons of Odin hoodie on that I got years ago when I was first starting to get racially awakened because I identified it. I said, "Man, you know, Christianity never really hit hit or." stuck for me and at minimum i like the iconography and the and the yeah. ethos of it and you know i've shared i'm still still a little bit hung up you know those stubborn uh we, we kind of live in in cynical times right so the idea that i'm gonna uh faithfully believe in odin and he's gonna help me is still a stretch for me but i kind of i kind of want to get there and then and, and sam's sam well, does such a damn good job of advocating for christianity with humility and respect and and knowledge that he pulls me in that direction too so i, I suspect a lot of our sure. audience are stuck in that yeah. difficult situation yeah. i can understand that um yeah what was i gonna say um i yeah. i, I I've had strange things happen, and I guess probably everybody can have that. I mean, certainly Christians have, quote, strange things happen, too. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe there's a whole crowd of deities running around out there, or or maybe it's like a frequency you tune into. I don't know. And really, you know, it, it, to me, it's only a theoretical question because I've got a life to live. Um, well, let's take... First of all, before telling you a story about the one-eyed one, let, let me tell you a story about one of his, his primary tools, so to speak, and that is the runes. Um, runes, everybody say, oh, yeah, runes, that's Viking writing. Well, yeah, but it's so much more than that because each one of those symbols has a specific meaning in a specific context. And... Uh, 
and uh, its actual use for writing is absolutely secondary. But um, they can be used for divination. And normally I don't do divination. I mean, I figure what's going to happen is going to happen. <laughs> you know, and, I, and I'm not an intelligence officer, so I don't really need to know a lot of things maybe. But I had a question. I had a question to put before the gods. Uh, all sorts of things were going on in my life, all sorts of pressures and hassles and one thing or another. And that cat is still rubbing up against me, trying to get some petting. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, you're a good girl. You're a good girl. Okay. Okay. <laughs> took care of that, didn't I? Uh, well, took the 24 runes of what we call the Elder Futhark, which is the older version of the runes, so the runic alphabet, so to speak. Um, put them in a leather bag. Um, they were on pieces of wood that were basically indistinct, indistinguishable from one from another. I randomized them very carefully. I reached in blind, pulled one out. Okay. It was a rune we call Perthro. Okay. But next day, same thing, 24 runes, carefully randomized. I want to emphasize that. Shook, 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 shook reached in and there's no there's no tactile differences between them is kind of where i was going with you know texture and everything and pair throw this happened three times in a row with the care, most careful all the steps i could take for it to be the real deal and not you know i'm not i'm not kidding myself i'm not kidding myself and i calculated the odds of drawing the three out of 24 the same one three times in a row to be it was in the it was in the millions i, I mm. think it's like seven million or something like that i don't know it was hella high <laughs> <laughs> and uh so i packed up my stuff and went to south africa <laughs> well, yep <laughs> Me message received <laughs> yeah the, and i, I later uh in, in from a person who did not know of this particular incident i got the word from them that well this particular rune is what you draw if you're not supposed to know the answer so sometimes you just have to roll them dice and rock and roll baby there you go yeah i've, I've been to a few afa events and i've seen the ruins and the things and it's fascinating to me it's like watching an alien culture almost if you're not <laughs> well versed yeah. it's like wow what, what is going on here i'm equal yeah. parts curious and totally ignorant of it uh yeah. i want to be respectful of your time sir really grateful to have you on i just got a, a couple more here if if you don't mind <laughs> well you okay you nope. can have those or you can have the one of how i became invisible in africa <laughs> we're uh, milking you all right uh but before <laughs> uh, we'll we'll tease that one for the audience uh because i think oh, that was yeah. another divine intervention but we've got to ask about the wotan <laughs> network well no i want to be respectful of the book and your efforts too. the wotan network I, I could listen to your stories all day but the wotan network seems to be a more activist oriented it's separate from afa i presume that you are right. more or less the head of it uh but uh tell the audience please about the wotan network if you will. wotan network is it's separate from the afa although there's plenty of AFA people in it, and we are absolutely friendly to the AFA. This is just Steve's thing. Wotan Network, I think I use terms like a networked 
networked insurgency or something like that. It's uh, it's meant to be um, activism of a particular type. And basically the spear is, well, our field manual in so many ways. And there's loads and loads of stuff in there on what people can do in order to participate in Wotan Network. Uh, one particularly popular event is to climb a mountain or a hill, if that's all you've got, climb to the top, uh, uh, with or without friends, uh, pour a horn of mead or a glass of whatever you've got, offer it up to the high one with some form of ritual with emphasis. No, just not, hey, here's to you, Odin. But, you know, I mean, really think it through, pour it out. And that is, that is an, an offering. And I believe, and I think, in fact, I suspect I'll get some agreement on this, that spirituality shapes culture and culture shapes politics. So I like working high up on the on the end there because spirituality is easier to do in many respects. So that's a Wotan on the Peaks event, but we do lots of other things. You may find runes scrawled on the on in, in dust on the side of a truck you might find runes uh, carefully laid out by sticks on a trail in the forest you might find um you know leaflets uh you might find cards this this is kind of the where we're working at right now which is why i've got a wotan network activity um um uh, channel over on on telegram and people mm -hmm. can link go there yeah. and when i'm when i made my parachute jump uh, for my 75th birthday um i you know i i, I did a wotan on the drop zone <laughs> cool <laughs> good stuff yeah I'll, I'll link that in the uh, show notes too so the audience has access to all this and please by all means regale us with your invisibility cloak in south africa that <laughs> saved your ass and the rest of you <laughs> mostly yes but i was worried more worried about the rest of me <laughs> I understand they do very strange things with human testicles and things. Oh boy! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ooh. Oh boy! Uh, and, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I was trying to get to South Africa, where I was going to make the arrangements to get up to Katima, as previously described, and get into Angola. It was one of those things. And so I've got, uh, I've got a South African passport on me concealed in a bag around my neck because bad things happen to people who got stopped by customs people in South Africa in those days, apartheid still being very much a thing then. Um, so I, I had my, my passport tucked away and I mean, everything is going fine. I, I was a little, a little spooked because a couple of weeks previously, a young lad had been caught on a plane in somewhere in Africa. They found military gear, South African military gear uh, on him or in his, his stuff. And they shot him on the runway. So, uh, if I could real quick, now, were you concerned? Uh, I, I don't understand how having a South African passport in South Africa would have been problematic for these. Oh, I wasn't, oh, my, I wasn't in South Africa. I was crossing uh, oh, into. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. My, my, my bad. My bad. Yeah, uh, not at all. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I landed in a neighboring country and I was, I, it only dawned on me and actually it dawned on me while I was, while I was, it's a long story. I, I, I hitchhiked most of the way through the Sahara. And then in Agadez, I got on a plane uh, and thought, what the hell? I'll just I'll just uh, fly into Cotonou, which is a little little place right next to South Africa. And then on the flight, I realized, oh, crap, I don't have a visa 
for that this country mm -hmm. they're going to look at my stuff real carefully if they shake me down they'll find the south african uh, uh visa and bad things could happen he said understating it so i'm trying to working up my working up my plan you know okay plane's still in the air we we'll landed in 15 minutes what am i gonna do okay uh, i'll play dumb uh, i'll say i'll i've got a line i mean look i'm young uh michener just published his his stupid book about students traveling all around the world um and uh, so i'll just i'll just say dude dude <laughs> this is marrakesh <laughs> so, stoner uh, california act yeah <laughs> yeah really so so plane lands we're getting off it's a bright sunny day nothing to hide behind clear runway a line running straight out to a guy with an ak over his shoulder very carefully looking at everybody's papers. Oh my, dude, where is Marrakesh? Uh, it gets closer and closer and closer and closer. And I think there's nowhere to run, um, really. I mean, he's armed, he's got buddies all over this place. Uh, this is not looking good. Takes the paper from the guy in front of me, looks at it, hands it back to him. It's bright daylight. He looks through me. I say again, he is literally what a foot, two feet mm -hmm. from me. He reaches behind, he goes behind me and takes a passport from the guy behind. I did not correct his mistake. Uh, <laughs> and I, and I basically got out of Dodge. I am. Oh, I got through to the other end of the country over there going into South Africa. And here was this, this very, 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 um, sort of neat guy he's he's not got an ak over his shoulder and he's not wearing fatigues he is in his dress unit not a dress uniform but his more formal uniform and he is looking at my papers and he he goes through my stuff and he says you you have no visa for this country and i just give him a, a vacant stare stare and shrug my shoulders and he gives me a big ebony and ivory smile hands it back <laughs> to me i did not correct this mistake i got the hell out of dodge bam oh, <laughs> yeah thank you thank so, anyway, you there you go glad, yeah, yeah, glad you're still I, with I, us I, and I, they didn't pop you right there on the spot yeah. I, I do not have a linear logical explanation for that <laughs> All right, we're uh, we're about to land this puppy for the first extra long hour. Thank you very much, sir. You do have some guidelines for healthy living and strengthening yourself for both men and women. One of the to me was this: marry someone of our folk and have at least three healthy children. Raise them in keeping with our traditional values. Teach them to love their race. In so doing, you will cause those who hate us much well-deserved pain. Uh, I won't bust your chops for for advising three. I, I would have I would have said go for four or, or more, but I, but, but I, I think I saw elsewhere that one of you, one of your regrets in life, sir, oh. was that you you wish that you had more kids oh. or started earlier. Is that fair to say? Oh, let me let me be a witness to that. Let me be a witness to uh, that. I, I had two children, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be ruthless on myself. Uh, all too often I was wrapped up in the cause. Uh, and you know, they, they turned out okay, but you know, it could have been so much better. And I get to this point in my life and I realize how little time I've got left. And uh, it, it hurts more than anything else that I can think of. Yes, 
guys have have lots as many as you can afford to take care of good healthy white babies and treasure them and and be right there with them all the way i was off adventuring mm-hmm. when i should have been home sometimes i'm just i'm just that's the, that wasn't my intention by any means but sometimes good intentions are not enough and i kick my ass pretty regularly on that couldn't have said it better, sir. Um, we try to, you know, we're forties, fifties, thirties here. And we try to, for the younger guys in the audience, give them some of our reflections and I'm, I'm right there with you. Wish we started earlier, wish we had more and all you can do is, you know, make the most of the time that you got left. I want to go out on a, uh, uh, even more positive note than the most of the show has been. And we asked this of our first time guests too. What's your favorite childhood memory, sir? first thing that comes into your mind the first thing that comes to mind is literally pretty much sitting at my mother's knee and she is reading to me a book well she read to me lots of books uh there was something called the the real book club back in that day when i was a child and these were hardbound volumes primarily text very you know a few illustrations but they were oriented for young children uh, and I always wanted the ones on space travel and chemistry and astronomy because I was going to be a scientist and go to the moon. Now, I'm much more interested in something that will take our race to the stars. That's our destiny. We are the spacefaring race. Ask Fernand von Braun or Hermann Olbert or any of the other men who led us on, on that trail. We are the starfarers. Just Steve's opinion. That's right. Our destiny is in the stars. Mr. Stephen McNallan is uh, the head of the Wotan Network, the author of The Spear, the founder of the True Folk Assembly. Sir, it's been an absolute privilege and an honor to have you on. I think it was Tom Wolfe who wrote a novel called A Man in Full. Uh, that comes to mind, maybe a life in full uh, when it comes to you. Uh, we salute you. We thank you for your time. Pick up The Spear. Pick up uh, his original book on Asatru and uh, get involved with the Wotan Network if you're so inclined. It's been a, a true pleasure, sir. Well, it's been a pleasure for me, too. Thank All you right. very much. I've had, a, I've had a good time, guys. Thank you, sir. And you have the DJ booth. Sam, uh, real quick, Sam Rolo, you want to? We went long in the first half. You want to come back and do a little content? You want to wrap it right here, Rolo? He says whatever. Sam, you want? Maybe we'll just re- maybe we'll record uh, another one on like Thursday or Friday this week. Does that sound all right? That's up to you. I got material ready to go. Uh, it's your call. All right. Uh, sure. I'll fix myself a little drink and we'll come back in the second half. But before we do all that, right. uh, Steve, you earned the DJ booth this week. Ireland has been popping off and uh, you are, of course, Irish. And I personally welcome a good white prole revolt in the streets, even if it seems a little bit uh, chaotic and perhaps yeah. senseless because there's so <clears throat> little revolt among our people left it seems obviously warfare is chaotic (laughs) you've you've seen it firsthand but uh go ahead go ahead sir what what are we going to listen to and why (laughs) well uh, you're going to go with the ones i suggested yeah 
Okay, let's see. I, I don't have the list in front of me. Oh, the first one was. Uh, I forget which ones you uh, recommended. Uh, not the Sinead. We'll, we'll skip oh. Sinead. For the yeah, break. yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I gotta say, if, if, if you only see <laughs> if you only see one movie on on the Irish quote situation, uh, take a look at Michael Collins. It's a great film, and I hate to say it, but it opens yeah. with with a song. Opens with a song from her. Now she's revolting, but her voice. Made brought it home to me. So, yeah. Yeah. so anyway. All right, very good. Thank you, sir. And uh, audience, we will be right back. As down by the glenside, I met an old woman, a plucking young nettles. Not saw I was coming. I listened a while. To the song she was humming Glorio, Glorio To the bold Fenian men Tis fifty long years Since I saw the moon Beaming on strong manly forms Hope in their eyes gleaming I see them again, sure, in all my sad dreaming. Glorio, Glorio, to the bold Fenian men. When I was a girl, they're marching and drilling Awake in the glenside Sounds awesome and thrilling They loved poor old Ireland To die they were willing Glorio, Glorio To the bold Fenian men Some died by the glenside, some died neath the stranger, and wise men have told us their cause was a failure, but they stood by old Ireland, and they never feared danger. Glorio, Glorio. To the bold Fenian men Well I passed on my way God be praised that I met her Be my life long or short I would never forget her We have had good men But we'll never have better Glorio, Glorio, to the bold Fenian men. And welcome back to Full House 173 special Stephen McNallan, perhaps special pagan edition. I certainly hope that our Christian audience was not at the, in the least offended by our guests there in the first half. I hope not. Uh, Sam and Rollo seem to roll with the punches with alacrity and aplomb. And uh, I frankly just find him to be a wise, adventuresome, adventurous, 
kind and uh, and bold man with a lot of interesting life stories. And it's totally true that a bunch of people reached out to me separately and said, oh, you're having McNallan on. You got to ask him about this. You got to ask him about that. He is a uh, godly figure. I don't know, godlike or whatnot to a lot of people uh, who respe- respect him deeply. So pick up the book, check it out uh, and consider getting involved if you are not already religiously affiliated. Uh, We are going to be flying a little bit more casual than usual here in the second half. I got one super nice, kind, new white life uh, notice from a pal, and I won't say who it is, but he wrote, my sister and her husband have been trying to have a kid for the past few years with no luck. Found out a few months ago, (coughs) excuse me, that they wouldn't be able to conceive without doing IVF because her tubes had a large amount of scar tissue. They ended up finding a great place for treatment, retrieved seven eggs during the first round. I don't want to know what's involved in that. (laughs) Only one of those seven apparently had the potential to be a boy, and they just found out that she is in fact pregnant, and they're going to have their first boy next summer. So uh, thank you very much, buddy, for sharing that. Congratulations uh, to your sister, and her husband, and uh, hopefully that baby, well, that baby boy will be special. Hopefully he's kick-ass too. And our pal mm-hmm. Gumtree Party uh, let us know that his uh, humble but delightful wedding went off without a hitch, and uh, he said he's going to send some pics. Said his, his wife, his now wife, looked radiant and beautiful. Uh, so congratulations again to our pal there. I gave him my old advice foolishly uh, that I once received on the day before my wedding from an old boss who said, make sure that you drink less than usual and she drinks more than usual. <laughs> so I gave that to him. And he said, hey, dumbass, she's pregnant. <laughs> you know, like uh, Irrelevant advice. Thanks, though, coach. Oh, well, I tried. Uh, let's see. We happy, happy belated Thanksgiving to the audience. My, uh, in-laws just departed this morning. They drove all the way in from, uh, middle of the country, had a nice few days and, you know, they're getting a little, uh, older. So they go to bed earlier in the olden days. We used to occasionally stay up late drinking, playing cards, et cetera. It's a little more subdued this year. Wife made a lovely Thanksgiving dinner. We did not kill the giant white uh rooster for thanksgiving dinner i didn't want to take a risk that it was going to taste gamey or stringy or old or nasty so we just got a butter ball and uh, wife made mashed potatoes from our homegrown stash that is uh slowly but surely receding as we head into the winter and uh, the kids were well behaved and and all it, it, it was nice we went outside went down checked on the chickens got more eggs than we know what to deal with um but just a, a peaceful calm non-eventful Thanksgiving. Sam, how about you? Yeah, it was uh, magnificent to say the least. Um, Yeah, I had won a turkey from the Knights of Columbus. So uh, had that going for us. And uh, we we like uh, all the all the traditional things, I suppose you would call it uh, stuffing and um, gravy, uh, cranberry sauce, Sweet potatoes, mashed potatoes, green beans, and corn, and uh, <laughs> it was it was wonderful. Several of my children were here, and uh, my wife and I and my mother in law, who's in town for uh, through through the holidays, and that means to the end of the year and into the uh, new year. So uh, sure, my pleasure she, to meet her last year too. Yes. Now, of course, I know who you're talking about, and that. <laughs> 
Twinkle, uh, twinkle, twinkle in her eye, and you're you're drinking, buddy. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, absolutely. She likes to, uh, you know, I'll I'll come up with some kind of special beer. I said, hey, how about it? Yeah, definitely, give me one, you know. So, and she <laughs> she, she likes all the family stuff and uh, preparing the meal, and she's just by herself, and uh, my wife is an only child, so. Um, She's very much by herself, but this is a big family to her. So uh, we definitely had a wonderful time. But what I wanted to say about Thanksgiving is uh, sure. because I'm I'm accustomed to getting up early every day. And uh, so I get up early on Thanksgiving as well. But I, I like to tune in to the Thanksgiving Day parades. I don't know oh, if you ever has spent <laughs> spent any time watching that, but when I was a kid, I liked to watch it. And of course, you would always get the uh, Chicago uh, Thanksgiving Day Parade, and then you would get the New York City Thanksgiving Day Parade. Macy's, yeah, yeah, they would uh, they would be uh, broadcast kind kind of in the same time period, but offset by maybe an hour. But the things go for three or four hours. And uh, I can <laughs> I can remember when I was little watching it, you know, and maybe flipping the channels and uh, watching those. But uh, now, as I tell people, I hate watch it, which is because <laughs> yeah. it's so so full of the pause that is uh, America American society today. That uh, it it's. Um, uh, you know, it's gross yeah. in a certain way. Well, the, my my takeaway from it or one of my observations is, according to watching these parades, there is no American culture, period. Yeah. There really isn't. It's it's all other cultures. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's something that, especially as getting to be an adult and as the years went on, was more and more annoying to me is uh, they have every, you know, a Thailand group and Guatemala and, of uh, you know, everything like that. And, and whatever things that were, were from this country were not in, even from the area. You know, they have some marching band from Alabama and some, you know, marching band from Virginia or, or whatever it is. You know, it's, it's as mm -hmm. though we don't, we don't have any of our own cult culture. We don't have anything going on in this area where I live. We, it's just everything is foreign. For and, everybody um, else, I even I heard I don't know if you saw it that there was a black Santa, um, oh. that there was of course of course there was the, you know gay gay lesbian floats and mm -hmm. stuff like that. I can't. I mean, thank you for watching Sam, so we don't have to. Yeah. Were there, <laughs> aside from the multiculturalism, were there any other visual abortions on display? Or got, got in, yeah. Possibly well, pro abortion float. Yeah. <laughs> Did not Probably, see that yeah. one. <laughs> Did not see that one. And and there are some good things that too. And that's why I continue to watch it. I say hate watch kind of humorously, really. But um, sure. there are some things. And one one thing I really liked was there was a, a group of Lithuanian folk dancers, and they were they right. they were doing their thing. That was very nice. And then not only that, but then separately there was this float. That was again some kind of Lithuanian cultural group, and it, the float was made into this castle. I guess it's supposed to be a replica, in some way, of the oldest castle in Europe, which is in Lithuania. And the people were dressed in traditional garb. So, so they tell us, anyways. It's it's kind of funny because they look with the way the people were dressed would make you think they look like Arabs, kind of like with the 
headdress on with a band around the the forehead holding a, a towel over your head but this was and i you know i'll presume that it's correct <laughs> but yeah. the, the this traditional uh, lithuanian group so so that was cool and uh this this year for the very first time and anywhere i could remember there was there were two uh high schools represented from the the south side uh that uh, in the in the chicago parade that mm-hmm. uh, there where there's never anything it's, it's as though there's there's no high schools there's no nothing but there were there were two marching bands of course both of them are 100% black but uh but anyways it was like oh at least there's some kind of local thing so uh i do enjoy uh, watching those and it's it's you know, it's, it's even beyond, it's the process of it, even getting the, yeah. getting the, getting it set up and tuned in and then sitting there and having some breakfast and, and watching it is uh, something I enjoy. That's, that's true. <laughs> that's charming for me to envision Sam getting cozy on Thanksgiving. To watch, <laughs> watch the parades on the old tube. I, I, I was always The only parade that I ever really enjoyed in life was uh, the local 4th of July parade, either being a kid sitting on the chair, you know, waiting for it to go by and getting candy thrown at me. Sure. Hot, hot July 4th days and seeing all the locals. Oh, there's that guy. There's that guy. And then, of course, the the epic one when we won the uh, Little League Championship. And we yeah. got to be we got to be in the parade and gloat and seeing some of the kids who we beat in that epic third game, uh, you know, and be like, yeah, we're, we are the blast and we are the champions by Queen. Uh, definitely <laughs> a highlight of my life. And and growing up in South Jersey, I always hated hated the Mummer parade and the uh, cult around that and those weird. Okay, fine, I'll grant that they're very immaculate and elaborate costumes that those people go through a ton of work. You know what I'm talking about, Sam, the mummer. No, no, no. What is the mummer? uh, Oh, Philadelphia, New Year's day parade every year. And it's, it's almost like, like a, like a Catholic Mardi Gras thing. I don't know how much religion is in it, but absolute Philadelphia staple of culture there. Mm. And, and I just found, I, I like my parents would maybe put it on as a curiosity on TV. And I'd be like, why are those people all dressed up so ridiculously, maybe beautifully to some people? And I just, yeah. thought, I just thought the whole thing was weird. You got to check it out. I don't know if, you know, might, might be up your alley for New Year's Day. Settle in and watch yeah. a mummer parade if you can get a, a stream. Of yeah. it. It's, it, it's probably visually uh, impressive. I just always found it yeah weird. um yeah rollo rollo is a big parade aficionado uh for sure he likes to be in them he travels around the country like a uh, <laughs> like a groupie <laughs> sneaks sneaks onto floats uh rollo my friend totally silent in the first half i thought maybe he was stewing at my impertinence to welcome on such a high-ranking heathen but he was like no you, you were just doing you were conducting a flawless interview coach and i didn't want to get in the way uh anything buddy would you do for Thanksgiving impressions on uh, McNallan or your take on the PQ, the parade question? <laughs> well, I, I haven't listened to McNallan enough to, to get a good impression of him down. But uh-huh. uh, for Thanksgiving, that was a joke. But anyway, Thanksgiving. <laughs> I, I, I went to my brother's and um, uh, his, his wife is a notoriously terrible cook. <laughs> and they were hyping up that this year it, it's going to be it's going to be grand and oh yeah this mm-hmm. is going to be the best so i was mostly curious like okay let's uh let's uh see see what it's what what's what's going down this year sure and um i got sick 
<laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so, Physically yeah, ill well, or, yeah. or just the sniffles, yeah. Like no, phys- uh, no, uh, uh, it's the, a reaction to the meal. Yes. The, the food wow. was very, very oh, poor man. quality. Mm. And, um, yeah. Are they and, no good? So, they, are they, well, they lower class about, people, Rolo? Or are they just like not good at <laughs> the the reality is like they they act like they are, but they're really not. I, it, it it's so weird. They they are the stereotypical Americans, like they are what mm. Jews want Americans to be. Mm. Like they, like they, food poisoning. Like They're white nationalist relatives. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's let's go out to eat. Oh, what what are we having? Taco Bell. Like it's like it's that, and it's not mm. because they're poor or anything. They just that's just what they want to eat. Like they'll have Taco Bell and Pizza Hut every night. And uh, but so they were talking about like, oh, we got this special bird, it's gonna be good. They got a pre cooked turkey. What I didn't even know that was yeah. a thing. I, I, I'm, I'm familiar I, with rotisserie chickens from the grocery yeah. store, but... and you got sick off it anyways. Well, uh, it was something that they made like because they, oh. they had really terrible mashed potatoes, and <laughs> it, was, it was just a, it was just a lot Man. of like really, really bad stuff, but uh. Did you no, Ralph was, like all over the table in front of everybody? Or did you go, oh, front, I wait. I waited till I got home. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I thought you were gonna I, say I, something I about some, the. I thought you were gonna say something about the turkey. You do have to cook that thing like four hours. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the, well, yeah. The turkey was terrible, <laughs> but I I ended up drinking some champagne there because like I could feel mm. how upset my stomach was. I was like, I just yeah. need something bubbly. A little bubbly, it. yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Give me the champagne. <laughs> it's all I got. Yeah, it was. I mean, I got a story out of it, so like it wasn't terrible. Yeah. But but yeah, they were just the way they were talking about it. Like, oh yeah, it's gonna be good this year, and it was like you gave me mm. the equivalent of like a TV dinner. It mm. was it was really good that our in-laws were here uh, because our we bought a new range for this place in 2019. Whirlpool, you know, well-reviewed consumer reports, etc. And uh, one by one, the you know, it's electric. The top cooktops have lost their ability to moderate heat, Aww. so it's either like full full blast heat or or off, None, essentially. Yeah. Mm. And I went to and I did the did my homework and I went to buy new switches for them because apparently that's a sign that the switch has gone bad. You know, it's on off. It doesn't have any moderating thing. And then we realized that the turkey was burning, not disastrously, but that the heat that the uh, you know, it was just reacting like the oven was on full blast and not set to a mm. lower heat. So having father-in-law here, and he said, this is unacceptable. And I had no idea that the oven was bad, too. So we said, all right, it's time. So we did our homework and ended up getting a GE. Apparently, GE still makes good kitchen appliances. We've had pretty good luck with them on ovens and stuff like that. So we got a new range coming. And I guess we're going to, this one, since it still technically works, we're thinking of, like, putting it down in the valley as like a backup oven. Sure. <laughs> Maybe just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's your electric heat, but we would have to get a 220 uh, new outlet put there. Yeah, really scraping for content here, but I got a new, new electric <laughs> range and oven here, thanks to father-in-law being here and declaring that unacceptable. He's not wrong, but you know, I don't cook a lot, so I'm like, oh, whatever, just turn it off, turn it on, etc. Um, well, yeah. Before we uh, get too far off of the parades thing, yeah, uh, we were talking about parades, and now I was, you know, we were wandering a little bit off. But the last time I attended a parade, not being in it, but attending it, 
uh, as a spectator. I was a, I, I got to be careful not to give too many details on this one uh, as far as when and what it was, but I was at a parade and this uh, Negro came, uh, <laughs> walked right up to me and he handed me a one people's project business card. Oh yeah. Daryl. <laughs> was, what, what, was it Daryl himself? Yeah. Was it? No, it, no, it was not. It was not. And, and to be honest, I was representing, you might say, uh, and it was just, it was a funny moment. <laughs> Stay Scrape by without getting in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just laughed. It. <laughs> I handed you that card and you said, I'll look into it, my brother. I know you. <laughs> yeah, I'll look into it. I just laughed. You know, it was, it was a funny moment for sure. It, I, I have been to a couple protests where he was there with his like mm. toothy grin and his gigantic belly, like taking video. And it was always like a joke. It's like, oh, Daryl's here. Daryl yeah. the Barrel's here. You know, uh, nobody right. like nobody was like, uh, honestly, nobody was like, oh, my God, you know, Daryl's here. He's taking video. It's like, of course he is. You know, it's just what he does. Yeah. Sh shows up. To, I wonder if he went to Amarin again this year to like just stand in a parking lot and uh, try to look scary and fail. Just a uh, pathetic, yeah. big, fat slob. This There's nothing to feel other than like disgust yeah. and pity. He's like almost like a court jester. Yeah, Antifa's clown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would say like he personally is is not any threat or anything to get too concerned about. But some of the people associated with that, I would definitely be, be careful about. I was delighted to see uh, probably a week or two ago that a face that I recognized from Charlottesville. Uh, that like I remember him standing there. He was with this fat bearded woman, and he had a cap on. And I think I remember him at least holding a club, if not a spike club. The spiked may have been yeah. an elaboration, but he got busted for dealing drugs recently. Big surprise, mm -hmm. comeback. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just just totally jumped off the page. I remember that a hole uh, from Charlottesville trying to menace us with it with you know with a club in his hand. Yeah. Um, before we get too far, Rolo, uh, teaser for the audience. Rolo, enterprising young lad that he that he is, has taken it upon himself. At first, I thought it was a really bad idea because what we say during the break or after the show, etc., is supposed to not be recorded. But Rolo's got some secret stash. Oh, full house. <laughs> it's like the Watergate tapes here. After hours, before, be pre-show. Yeah, I know. I yeah. got. Him, I got. Him, I'm looking, looking at you over there, big guy. Uh, but apparently, <laughs> and, and this is not surprising that there's some real gems in there. Uh, and he's curated some of it, and he's he proposed that we put it out on Cantwell's network, Surreal Politics, as hey, you know, if a little little added bonus content that won't be yeah. out free and wild in the internet. Uh, so, Rolo, yeah, is that a fair fair, fair fair description? Well, uh, yes, but the the stuff that that is recorded, it's it's all the stuff that is during the break. It's not like the, the post call discussions it's, which is okay. generally, it's still pretty, it's semi topical is what I would call it. Some of it is sure. just like, this is what I did today, okay. but it, it's, it's pretty much mostly related to stuff that we talk about anyway. So it's right. not like you yeah, gotta get some, great, some juicy gossip or anything. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's stuff that I would consider not 
really good enough for a full show, but it's still good enough content on its own. So a good spot for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a, you know, um, your, your DVD bonus features. Mm-hmm. How, how many times, you know, before the show in the break or at the end, have we said, man, that should have been on the show. You know, there's just, it's just when you get people talking, good stuff comes out and uh, it's quite I often. Wish we had, yeah. Often, on the, often at the, at the break for sure. Yep. And it makes sense uh, too. Yeah. That, cause roll, cause you know, sometimes I do the telegram recording, but Rolo's doing the hard, I don't know. It's not like he's recording the tape or whatever, but he's got the duplicate recording. It makes sense that you just keep that rolling. Uh, yeah. All the time. Finish. I would even say pre and post, you know, there's just always good stuff that comes out. Speaking of uh, recording and my internet, of course, it, it pops out twice, about twice every hour. Yeah. This thing. No, no idea. Just but like my knee. Just like your what? Your knee. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ro- Ro- Rolo sent me uh, five or six minutes that uh, I said, oh, that's awesome. I was really interested in listening to it. And then I completely forgot, just uh, went about my life. So I'm going to listen to that probably after this show. I had one uh, that I had a moving moment and uh, inspirational moment with our youngest who, you know, uh, you could hear it in Steve McNallan's voice, how mm. he regretted not spending more time with his kids, not having more. I mean, gosh, just, yeah. you know, just even if you have one making the years count, especially while they're young. So I'm still really trying to milk uh, our youngest in the best sense of the word, just appreciating having a little rambunctious guy who doesn't have language 100% down pat, et cetera, reading the stories, you know, the two older kids are uh, too old and jaded for dad to read them stories, mm-hmm. uh, but came across a lovely, beautiful one that I had in the stat. Oh, we've got children's books to the, to the ceiling, both like ones that my mom gave us that we got mm-hmm. from the other kids when they were young, et cetera. They just show up out of nowhere. Uh, yeah. and it's called, it's called owl moon. And I guess it won one of those, whether it was Newberry or Caldecott, either for the illustration or for the story. And it's a son, a father and son, and it's clearly the youngest son and they go for a walk in a um, mm. snow bound full moon night to go owling. And I had never heard of this. I was mm. like, oh, this is a beautiful concept. So you just go out on a perfectly still night, ideally when it's snowy to get that ambiance. And then you, uh, you know, wander deep in the woods. You've got a bundle up and then you're listening for owls. If you hear an owl in the distance, you go for it toward that. Or if not, you just wander deep in the woods and then you mimic an owl hoot. I suppose. And then apparently, yeah. supposedly, if this book is any guide, uh, the owl will hoot back if you do it right. So you may have to do some homework or something, but just the idea of letting Potato mm. stay yeah. stay up late on a snowy night this winter to go wandering into the woods, holding dad's hand, maybe bring a flashlight, but you got to be super quiet so you don't have to be all chatty about it and just go listening for owls. And if you're really gifted, uh, make an owl sound to see if you can get them to call back. I thought it was, it was a beautiful book, regardless of whether that that's up your alley or not. But I added that onto the stack of uh, to-do lists while we still have at least one who's still young enough and perhaps game enough to, to go on a little adventure like that with his old man. Al Moon, check it out. Get that out from, uh, It's it's got to be cheap if you buy it. Uh, poor, poor, poor Sam. No, no little ones <laughs> still under the house, uh, but make it you're well, going to have a hell, hell of a good time with your grandkids doing that one day. Yep. 
Right, right. Well, we did have a birthday here uh, recently, um, my youngest right. son, and um, we had a he had a party with a bunch of his uh, friends from the uh, Catholic homeschooler group, which is a great group of people. Uh-huh. And we we kind of set the hours like, OK, it's from this to, you know, like one to five, you know, and I, I, I didn't like the way it sounded. It's like we're telling the people they got to leave. And so it's getting up to five. And and uh, I guess it, we had we had somehow let it out to people or maybe my son had said, like, we're trying to go to this Wellington Arms gig, you know. And uh, so that's why the hours were that because, you know, we would have to get there and they're going on at a certain time. So, uh, and I, I told the people, I said, you guys can come with, if you, with us, if you want to travel just a little bit and uh, attend, which is a joke. I don't think any of them could handle it, but, uh, (laughs) but, uh, but we did go because it was also one of our uh, dear lady friends in our local group. It was her birthday as well. So, we were going out and uh, Wellington Arms was playing a gig. Um, this guy, uh, uh, a, uh, a f- local friend, he had uh, got in some trouble with, uh, there was a um, uh, a um, bakery and they were somehow, they were, uh, I have to look up the, <laughs> how the story went, but they're some, somehow involved with a drag queen story oh, hour yeah. or something. And, yeah. and, and so he say, went leave, there, leave it to a skinhead to get in trouble at a bakery. Yeah. You know? like, how does <laughs> right. this happen? Yeah. Yeah. He, he went there and there's glass broken and he got arrested and, and everything like that. And, and everything involved in the times we live, you think like, Oh man, this guy's going to prison for years, but he ended up getting just a couple of months and uh, everything worked out. Okay. All things considered. And so he was getting out of the, out of the joint basically. And so this gig was to kind of celebrate that. And uh, so, and we had a couple of birthdays. So, so it was a lot of fun, you know, it was a lot of fun. And so my mother-in-law, she said, well, I want to come with you too. So I said, well, all right, then come on. So (laughs) we we went, it was, it was a good time, definitely. And uh, it was funny because, you know, all our people, you've met a lot of them are very personable and friendly and, and uh, So so, so this one guy, the one young fella, he was, uh, you know, we're all kind of, uh, we're getting ready to go. Everyone's kind of hugging goodbye. And, and so he's, hu- he's hugging her, she's hugging him. And, and then, uh, somebody's looking, looking at them. She says, well, this is my son, you know, as a joke. And, uh, and then he, he leans in and whispers to her, I thought we were lovers. <laughs> so that was well, very funny, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I I funny Sam, moment. I I never I never really got the skinhead thing until I heard Wellington Arms. I'm not blowing smoke up right. their skirts, but and of course I liked um Fascine uh, uh, white, white, white yeah, white power. I heard them, but yeah, yeah it, it, I'm I'm not bullshitting. I'm not trying to <laughs> like curry favor with Nate. They have uh um they have the melody, the melodic sound to them, along with, of course, yes. the hard, the hard rock edge. That uh, that's the only CD I have on in my yeah. min- minivan. You know, I don't know if it's a multi disc <laughs> or whatever, but I just got that one in there. And usually, when the kids aren't in the car, I'll pop that on every once in a while and just uh, jam well, it out of the limits and then the rest of it. Yep. It's a fun environment, even if it, if even if you say to yourself, "This is not my thing," but mm-hmm. the to go to a gig is a is a tremendous amount of fun. I'll even put it out there right now: money back guarantee. You come to a show and you're not happy when you leave. I will personally make good on the ticket. 
All right. Because, no scammer. Yeah. No scammers, please. Yeah. No. Don't try to make <laughs> Sam. Sam, <laughs> Sam, Sam. Sam takes free turkeys uh, out of poor people's mouths. Uh, but <laughs> don't do right. Sam, exactly. Uh, I, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, you you mentioned the uh, you mentioned the guy getting uh, in trouble at the bakery, broken glass, etc. Yeah. It reminded mm. reminded me of our prisoners. I got a letter back from Ash the other day from England. Oh our, yeah. Our friend from the fourth anniversary special, uh, mm-hmm. you know, bittersweet. He's they're, they're uh, appealing his eight year sentence and the yeah. list of other crimes that he included in the letter that other people have committed, yeah. been found guilty for and gotten shorter sentences from the same effing judge. I know I gave myself yeah. a, one F bomb per show uh, license for the second <laughs> half only, but I'm not going to use it. Uh, it's just heartbreaking. And they moved him yeah. to a, pri- a prison almost as far away from his family as possible. So it becomes much more difficult for them to travel. They've curtailed his communications because he's got a lot of friends out there who call, who want to visit, etc. And apparently, if you have any communication whatsoever that is remotely, you know, related to our politics or our worldview, they consider that radicalizing material. And then you get sort of iced out and you're not allowed comms with them. So mm. I was, I was very happy. He, he said he got a good laugh because on the last page of my letter, I just drew a big circle and, and in writing, I said, please visualize a very powerful, peaceful, ancient symbol of, you know, our people's heritage and pride there. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know what? And yes. uh, man, just for a, a good-hearted innocent family guy who's trying to do the best yes. legally non-violently to get slapped with an eight-year sentence and also he was a prison guard so he's of course you know at severe risk of getting shanked he said that he said yeah. un- un- unequivocally i might not make it out of here um mm. if you haven't if you haven't listened to our fourth anniversary special about 20 30 episodes ago whatever it was please do it's called rules of britannia even better than that write to ash in england he did say explicitly that if you write to him you could there's a distinct possibility that you'll get on an mi5 watch list to which i you know thumb my nose and say you know go ahead come and come and take my mi5 watch list virginity assholes uh excuse me yeah um but uh just you know send send him books write to him you pr- pretend you're pretend you're a normie and you just heard about his situation whatever you have to do t- cost a dollar 25 to send an envelope with a letter to england i think i've posted this on the telegram channel if not i'll put it in the show notes to write to ash i actually have another uh prisoner that i'm in correspondence with and young young guy who got hemmed up on some stupid stuff and I haven't heard back from him recently to confirm whether I can boost that or not. I suppose I can. Uh, and then I got another one who's in the works who might be going in. And another one of our great friends just got out, as I mentioned at the yeah. top of last show, and got to spend Thanksgiving with his lovely family. What a horrible Wonderful. deal he went through and is now back out and, uh, you know, getting back getting back to life. He did his time as Cantwell described in that real one of one of Cantwell's best shows, I think was when he talked about doing your time and doing your, if you have to go to prison, you know, uh, just do your time and get out and, and start over again. And, and yeah, most of if our that guys, doesn't, yeah, go ahead, please. If that doesn't convince you uh, that they hate us, they intend to hurt us. They would hurt our families. 
They'll do anything possible to hurt us that you should be well convinced of that by this point. hundred percent. And Ireland is popping off, as I mentioned there at the top. Am I crazy, guys? Am I a troglodyte for being happy to see whites in Europe chimping out, quote unquote? Uh, sure. Over, you know, no. It was, it was ch you children, children getting stabbed. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it may not be the most effective, well thought out strategy, but you know what's worse than like working class right wing Irish lads angry about immigration and the stabbing of young children from an Algerian who shouldn't have been there in the first place, had previously Being been arrested and was let free. Well, yeah, that's pretty bad too, but not chimping out, just passively going along with it. So call me, yeah, call right. me uh, uh, a mean SOB or delighting in destruction or whatever. But how many times have we seen burning, arson, riots, looting, theft, chimp outs from the other side? Yep. And uh, to, to see it coming from our people over in Ireland, yeah, I'm not even pretending to be like, you know, the window rolling up. Oh, I'm not looking this. No, it's, it's well-deserved. Frankly, well, it's uh, well, I'd like more... to put this in, yeah, go ahead, Rolla. Yeah, I well, I'd like to put this into perspective because you know, some some retard might say something stupid like, Oh, you're burning down your own neighborhood. Well, think about it like this they're burning down their own neighborhood to get rid of uh, an infestation. Think about it right. like you have to tear down parts of your house to get rid of mold or replace rot. Mm -hmm. That's or if all you have they're lice, doing. You got you to shave your head if you got lice. Yeah, that too. Because if they didn't do anything about it, uh, what you know what happens? Those migrants, quote unquote, those invaders, let's call them what they are, they're invaders, they're going to stay there and they're going to multiply right. and they're going to keep bringing them in. Now they burn that down. Okay, now they have nowhere to go. Well, you know what? They're going to be on the street facing a bunch of angry Irish people. So now they have to uh, look forward to that because if they're burning that down, they probably don't care about what happens if, you know, they, they start throwing fists with these people. So they put them in another hotel. They burn that one down too. Mm -hmm. And then eventually they won't have anywhere to go and they'll have to leave Ireland. And then the Irish, they can rebuild their country. They can always right. do that. They can't do that when their country is destroyed by, non-whites replacing them a the whole faggot, idea yeah, that like an indian tau seach or however the hell they pronounce it yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, and, yeah and it to to think that what they're doing is counterproductive they're just burning down their their own property the part of their property that they're burning down is infested and that infestation will grow you have yep. to just you have to destroy some things like if you want to get rid of that black mold behind your shower, what do you do? Well, how about you have a discussion about how to do it? Okay. And then what? Eventually you're going to have to tear some things down if you want to fix it. Sorry. I am wrong. We were just listening to the left and, you know, uh, scenes of arson and destruction and looting are mostly peaceful protests. That's all I saw. Mostly sure. peaceful protests over there. Absolutely. Ireland, sorry, sorry. Uh, you know, I've I've been told time and again that those are uh, expressions of uh, the people's will. And uh, Chris Chris Cuomo uh, say does it say that protests have to be peaceful and well behaved? Oh, yeah, I I guess. All right, sorry. I'll, right. Just, I'll take your word for it. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Good for the well, goose. The good for the gander. 
The system knows that they're losing control, and that's why there's all these attacks on right-wing politicians and things like that. They they know that they're losing control. They know that our our way of thinking is ascendant. Yep, problematic for the world managers there too, as uh, McNallan said. And uh, you know, apparently that neighborhood North Dublin has been run down and you know basically depleted. Uh, Ireland and and Dublin in particular. We were there, God, twenty twelve maybe. It was one of the last trips we took before we had kids, and uh, spent most of our time in Galway and in Dublin, which in hindsight was a bad decision. We should have just rented a car and explored the country for real. But we kind of just wanted to have fun. And uh, yeah, the. Uh, Dublin was not at all a pleasant city. Galway, much more so genuine Irish. And uh, yeah, I checked out the Irish Times uh, before the show just to see what they're saying. And and there's actually some liberals saying it, it was it was weird to see, I believe, a liberal op-ed columnist describing or almost apologizing for the behaviors in the same way that you're so accustomed to hearing about blacks in America, that that's a disadvantaged neighborhood, that the people feel abandoned by their government, and that this is what happens when you allow that to fester. And of course, unspoken is the righteous, justified rage at having alien knife-wielding, child-killing. And I believe one of the children did die from the stabbing. It's a shame we don't have Smasher on uh to talk yeah. about this because i'm sure he's following it back and forth but uh yes yeah, smasher is back uh in comms again delightfully and uh, we gotta twist his arm to get him back on the show sometime so yeah god bless our irish brothers and sisters over there you gotta hand it to keith woods he's been doing a hell of a job uh threading that needle between advocacy and not getting completely banned and shut down he's got good discipline uh, for sure, to be able to go and name the Jew and name the invaders, etc., without getting banned. I don't know. He and <laughs> he and Alon should have a beer sometime. I almost was thinking, man, maybe I really, you know, stuck my foot in it with my analysis of Elon Musk and his biography, and he's never going to be our guy. He cares about getting to the moon and stars. I still think that's true. You know, he's still banning people, and he's do, he's doing this little well, thing where he where he signal boosts and engages, but it's certainly better than no Elon Musk. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to be a hater or whatever. I'm just, maybe I'm too cynical or maybe I'm seeing it accurately. And this is about as much as we can expect from him. Well, I, I would say that uh, the, uh, the more things progress, as we see, we will see more people taking our side in different ways. Uh, yeah. Just because our, our thing is ascendant. It's not that they're on our side, <laughs> but they will, when it when our thing is perceived as the thing to be, then you will get people supporting it. Yep, absolutely. No, it's man. You know, some, sometimes I'm I'm like a grizzled veteran. Like, oh, I I was through the war, and this is like the aftershocks and the after years or whatever. But the fight the fight continues every every damn day online. Oh in yeah, real life organizing normies elections mm -hmm. politics activism etc wotan network to patriot front to active clubs to everything else uh it's it, it really has taken on a life of its own when it felt very lonely or nascent i guess i would say in you know my coming of age years 2014 2017 etc the the fight continues yeah. you gotta always remind yourself and uh yeah, there there are days. I I mentioned it. Life would life. It, listen, if you're listening to this audience and you're not 
involved whatsoever. Life is a lot easier and simpler and less risky if you just keep your mouth shut and keep your head down like an ostrich putting its head in the ground. Um, that's a safe way to go. That is a more comfortable way to go. It's almost certainly going to be a more lucrative way to go long term. But just like uh, Steve McNallan, you can hear really rude not having more kids. And I've said on the show before, when you're on that deathbed, wherever and whenever it is, you're almost certainly going to wish that you did more in one way or another. So whatever that is, whatever that is, get involved and uh, yeah, pick up the spirit too. It's got some good tips in there uh, for people getting started. I did share with the guys. I said, ah, you know, a lot of the stuff, you know, I've, I've been in for a while, but for, for someone who's relatively new to our ideal ideology, to Asa true to Odinism or to activism in general, um, there's a lot of useful, good gems in there uh, to get started and kick things off. I do not have anything else in the stack for myself personally. Sam Rollo, over to you guys. If you got anything else, if not, we'll just land this puppy. We went long in the first half. Well, I, I was yeah. just going to mention, uh, don't forget Please. about the white, the white power hour. Uh, <laughs> I don't always mention it every single time. And, and if you, if you're following that channel, you know, there's uh, we, we aim to have one every single week. Sometimes we're every one or two weeks. And once in a while, you know, we, we might fall off the wagon a little bit and <laughs> life gets in the way. But More than uh, this been full house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just I just uh, did one today. And so there will be a new one coming out. And right. uh, Mark, Mark gets busy, too. And but uh, we do we do try to get them out. So definitely uh, everybody go over to White Power, our uh, Telegram channel. And I'm going to give the address here just so people will remember. It's always fun to go there and hear some music, even if it's not your thing. Tune in a little bit, hear what I have to say about what's going on in music, uh, especially this week. It was it was kind of, uh, yeah, we try to have a theme, but well, what kind of theme we're going to have? I don't know. And I said, you know what I want to do is, what am I listening to right now? What's on my turntable right now what's in my cd tray right now mm -hmm. what's in my cassette deck right now <laughs> and uh, so so i'm just playing the things i'm listening to right now which which are interesting but the telegram channel is wp hour h-o-u-r show 88 all one word no spaces of course wp hour show 88 check it out you know it's fun Absolutely. I, I love doing that show. Check out my show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that one is great. That was just, if, if no other reason, it was like such a, a shift of gears. Sure. Know, I know those, they, those, those guys kind of indulged me. They were like, Oh, oh yeah. Right, that, yeah. Oh, that was great. That is a great episode well, for sure. But, thank yeah, you for checking it out. Yep. Same would be. Yep. Absolutely. I owe, and of course their telegram or a device band. So I always have a hard time finding them, but yeah, just go, go to telegram, use your desktop or a web telegram, et cetera, to get there. Check out Sam yeah. doing that. And Rolo, what's up with you guys and the final storm real quick. You, uh, did you find a new host or whatnot? Or are you just still putting it straight to telegram? Uh, no, we're, we're, uh, Odyssey, doing right? Odyssey. Yeah. We're doing on yeah. Odyssey. They have their own RSS feed and you don't have to upload videos. You just put an sure. MP3 there, which makes a lot of things easier. It reminds me of Mark Twain. The uh, rumors of Odyssey's death were much exaggerated. I guess they were close to death or they were down for a little bit. And new. Well, the future was uncertain because of their 
their cryptocurrency. They got sued by the, the SEC. Uh-huh. And what came out was that apparently that's not tied to Odyssey itself. So yeah. it seems like it's going to be good for now. But who who knows? Again, it's it's another right-wing platform that pretty much just exists to put anti-Semitic content. Like there is still stuff for like destiny posts there. I'm, I'm pretty sure, but there's a lot of my best friend in the whole world. (laughs) I miss him. We, we should hang out again sometime. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't know destiny from a Valsh from a hole in the wall, but uh, Valsh is the fat one. Destiny's the short one. They both make, (laughs) they both make my skin crawl. Yep. They both oh, yeah. have sex with men. They, oh yeah, trust. Yeah, well, yeah. well, they admit to it. Like it's like, right. what, well, what you yeah. say that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> that one. I just remember. Oh, go ahead, Jim. <laughs> uh, I was just saying uh, that one time Destiny was going to be on some debate, and then he had to cancel because he was too high. Yeah, ecstasy, yeah. That that exact comment from Sam is in one of the bonus cuts that I was yeah. Making. Oh yeah. Oh man. When he's he's talk he's talking to uh, Sam Elia. Yeah. <laughs> Who among us has not reached for the aspirin bottle and accidentally tripped on ecstasy? No, no, he, no, he thought it. No, what happened was he thought it was ecstasy and it was MDMA. That ecstasy is MDMA. Num nuts. Or sorry, 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 sorry. He thought he thought it he thought it was MDMA, but it was meth. That's what okay. Happened. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He thought he was taking ecstasy, and then he just started flying Oopsie high. Daisy, so this, this is some high, <laughs> high, high octane ecstasy yeah. I got here. Why am I? <laughs> yeah. Well, the the funniest part of that, he, he's like, my penis is only an inch. I'm not joking. Like he actually put that in his Discord chat. <laughs> Uh, wow, we're getting a lot of information here. <laughs> Speaking of, now my skin's really crawling. Thinking, oh about my gosh, Rolo, Rolo mentioned Destiny Dick on episode one seventy three of Full House. Thanks, Rolo. Welcome. <laughs> my I, the, the internet can't forget that he admitted that his <laughs> penis is only an inch long. Oh man, cold, cold, cold day in Destiny Land. All right, let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Full House 173 was recorded. I might be a full moon up there. I looked up there. It was gorgeous and sparkling tonight. And the other night, I looked up at the sky, and there was a beautiful halo of clouds around the moon with Jupiter. I... I don't know how I do it, but I can always tell. I'm like, no, that's Jupiter or that's Venus because they look kind of similar, bright in the sky. And my father-in-law was like, that's that's Venus. Jupiter is done for the year. I was like, nope, that's Jupiter. And then I pulled out Sky Guide, this old app I had, I had on my iPhone forever. You point it up at the sky and it yeah. plays the music and identifies yep. all this. Skywalk, I think, is what it's called, right? Uh, sky, sky Guide is mine, but I'm sure that there's okay. several. Sky yeah, that's could be sky guides skywalk is what i use that's that is an excellent app yep i use i use a land stand you made that up that's not a real word yeah there's no it's the opposite (laughs) of skywalk (laughs) (laughs) he did make yeah i was like you're bullshit you can't bullshit a bullshitter well you can most of the time sometimes rollo stuff goes over my head i am but a humble podcast merchant here try to be a good father and husband all right fam we love you uh 
check out the spear, please. It's on runestone.org. That link will be in the show notes. Uh, check out Surreal Politics and use Full House as your reference code. I will listen to Rolo's extensive combing through the off-mic, on-mic archives to post that there, assuming that that's fair to God knows <laughs> which guests are on there. Make sure that that's safe. To oh, there's them. a lot of them. There's We've a had lot. a lot of great guests over the years. Uh, and you know, it's very, very rare that we have them back on. We always say, Oh yeah, come back on every time. And it's like, well, you know, let's, let's go with new guests every time, but we'll, we'll have some classics back, including Tom Sewell and, uh, our pal, uh, Andreas from Nordic frontier. We want to do a Christmas Yule mashup with him before December gets too long in the tooth. So you know what to do, fam. If you want something on the air considered or read in terms of new white life, please email us fullhouseshow at protonmail.com. As the holidays approach, if you got a little extra scratch in the piggy bank, uh, consider us. And that's at givesendgo.com slash fullhouse. Telegram, Gab, and the website is always there to keep you posted. God bless Sam and his family. Even Rolo and his food poisoning uh, sister and brother-in-law or brother and sister-in-law, whatever. <laughs> Sorry, bud. And to Stephen McNallan, the Wotan Network, Asa True Folk Assembly, all those good people. I've had a delightful time at several AFA events over the past few years, and they've always been warm and accepting of a cynical, skeptical, uh, hard-ass like myself. Treat your kids right. Go forth. Multiply. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Oh, the music. Um, I am going to shamelessly pull from our, Paul, our pal Andreas and Nordic Frontier. I've always loved the tear jam that starts at the top of Nordic Frontier. And then for some reason, it's it's like when Andreas does the break, he's like, let's do a little jingle. Like five, You just started the show. It's been five minutes. Why, why do you need a break? Go ahead, Rolo. <laughs> Is tear is that the like the synth sounding instrumental? No, no, no. It's okay. the one that comes before it with the Gyaller horn and the don 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 don. Because I was gonna say you've already used that one. No, I haven't used the 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 weird synth stuff that he plays after tear. I don't think. No, 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 no. I no. thought you just meant tear. Uh, okay, no, yeah. I'm, I meant tear. I meant what I, okay. I say what I mean. And I meant what I say most of the time. <laughs> I still don't, I'm still not exactly clear which uh, Irish jam I'm supposed to play, whether it was uh foggy do, but uh, all right. Am I back? You are yeah. back. All right. You've been here, here the whole here. time. No, it, it cut out on me. This is tear by Wardruna for the third time. Let's get the hell out of here before my Wi-Fi drops again. We love you, fam. We'll talk to you next week. Sam Rolo. One of you pick it. <laughs> Same. <laughs> he beat him to it. See you guys. Talk to you soon.